Mannequin Chill is back. Shane, we hate trade deadlines, but the reality is a lot of our listeners, followers, subscribers, they have them and we have to deal with them. So let's talk about it. What to do if you have an upcoming trade deadline. I always associate Thanksgiving with around the trade deadline. I'll just because my oldest redraft league has a trade deadline Thanksgiving day because usually there's three games and all the trades have to happen within that week. And it's always hectic because it's Thanksgiving week and everyone's trying to make redraft trades. But trade deadlines, we don't like them, but we have to deal with them. We get a lot of questions about what do I do, Shane? My trade deadline is in two weeks. Where do we start? Uh, Well, I mean, first thing you need to do, it's obvious, right? Look at your team. Are you an actual contender? Are you closer to stanking than you are contending? I know there's a ton of teams right now sitting at four and six, five and five. Well, no teams are probably sitting at that number because we're just now entering week 10. But you get my point. You're middling, right? You could go either way. Like I've got a game this week in one of our leagues. It's me and the uh, sixth seed battling it out. Thankfully, there's no trade deadlines in that, that league, so I don't have to make a decision today. But if forced to make a decision, you need to make a smart decision. What are the chances that your team's going to win? Remember when we went back to that all-play record? We did that in the beginning of the year to see if you're a fraud or not. Go ahead and do that again. Take a look at it. Like Again, if you shouldn't be winning, and you are, and you have older assets, maybe it's time to move them to the teams that are actually legitimate contenders or even better the other teams that are fraudulent contenders so you could take their future picks and then they could fall on their face but i mean that's the first thing you need to do right is you need to really look at your team be honest with yourself have a come to jesus moment as they call it and decide is this team actually able to compete how many moves away am i from competing can i make those moves yeah ultimately if you have a trade deadline all it is doing is accelerating the time frame of when you have to make decisions, right? No trade deadline. You can literally react week to week throughout the season. Even in the playoffs, you can say, well, I don't know if I'm going to make the playoffs, but if I do, I can make trades. I don't know if I'm going to advance in the playoffs, but if I do, I can make trades and vice versa. The teams that are out of it have trades they can make throughout versus their, their lineup is locked after 12 weeks or 13 weeks and then they can't do anything. That is equally as frustrating for a pretender or a tanking team as it is a contender. So I think that's the big thing is just realizing the strategy isn't that different. The time frame of when you have to make the decisions is accelerated. So once that's the case, now you have to look at the season in a two to three week window. Let's say you have a week 13 trade deadline. You have three more weeks to make decisions. And for a lot of people, it's probably week 12, maybe even week 11. I hope it's not any earlier than that, because what are we doing? But if it is, you now have to really do a risk assessment on your team, similar to what Shane was saying, but I'll take it a step further. You have to look at your roster and you say, I have a big event coming up. I work in the insurance industry, right? One of the worst things you can do is over-insure something where you're overestimating the risk. You pay way too much for the worst case scenario. It doesn't happen. And then you go, why did I pay so much? I mean, in a lot of ways, we do that with our own health insurance. You pay a ton of money for the worst case outcome. But if you really played the odds, the insurance company's playing the odds. You're, You're just one out of millions that they're gauging the odds of how much could you cost me versus how much are you going to pay? And I think that's what you have to do in Dynasty. And with the trade deadline, you really have to look at how's the health of my team? Which way are they trending? Who are the players that I have that don't have buys that have hit yet? What are my matchups looking like? You might not have known that to start the year, but now you do. You have nine weeks of data to say, yeah, that's probably a good matchup, whereas I didn't think it was or vice versa. Weather conditions, all those things come into play where you can't fix them 
with a trade because there is a trade deadline. If you don't feel comfortable, that should work more towards my assessment of whether I want to actually make any moves. You were talking about if you're a middling team, you're either selling or sometimes you can just say, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. I'm the five seed. I'm not going to buy. I'm going to buy no insurance because the worst case happens, my car's a total loss. I'm going to lose it. But why would I pay more in insurance than really what my outcomes could be if I have the insurance? So I think it's really important to be able to forecast your decision and understand that just because you're trying to win doesn't mean you have to buy. And just because you're trying to tank doesn't mean you have to sell. Maybe the status quo is where you want to be. And that's the equivalent yeah. of just not over-insuring your roster for the worst case scenario. There is always the option making no moves, right? You have a roster you like. Maybe things just went a little haywire. You had Justin Jefferson. You lost him for four weeks. And you have Anthony Richardson. You lost him early in the year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe your team is set up that just if things go right. There's no reason for you to sell off your pieces. Obviously, you're going to look at other pieces of your roster that don't matter. You have Samaj Pirines. You have Deontay Foremans. You have Khalil Herberts. You have all those types of players. Do you even have like an Alvin Kamara, an aging running back that can get you a little bit of a little bit of a return, but isn't in your long-term goals? You should still be looking to move those guys. But that's really you should probably be doing that anyway, even if you were trying to compete. And if you are buying things. You, you want assets that have utility beyond this year. But I, I understand making the bet like, all right, well, let me go buy Justin Fields. You know, that's a player I've been thinking about. And I think you just need to be okay with knowing, all right, I'm buying this player for all they're doing is, is this year. I'm just buying them for production this year. And I look at Justin Fields, even though he's a quarterback, no different than I would look at it buying a running back or a wide receiver, an elderly wide receiver like a Keenan Allen. I don't expect anything beyond this year. I would hope that I'm not going to do that. And if I am going to do that, it's going to be with my lesser assets. Hopefully you're going to use your your more premium assets for players that have utility beyond this year. Yeah, I think one thing that you really have to analyze is you may have a team that has already made some moves. And just because you have moved in a certain direction doesn't mean you have to use the trade deadline as I have to go to the extreme in that direction. I've made that mistake before too, where early in the year, maybe I committed to winning this year. So I made a couple moves where maybe I was a little aggressive on trading away, maybe my second round pick or trading away a rookie because I wasn't sure if they were going to produce. And then eight weeks later, I go, man, I've already traded away a second. I traded away a rookie for a veteran player that really I wish I could have that deal back because the rookie ended up producing basically the same as the veteran. And now I'm in fifth or sixth place and I have to make a decision. And don't let what you did a month ago or six weeks ago change your strategy now. You know, don't say, well, I already made a move to go in. I got to make more moves to go in. Because I think there is a time where you just say, hey, I've already picked my lane to the degree that I'm going to go in that direction. And I think this is more apt for teams that started to tank. And this is probably more common for me, teams that have started to tank, but then they're still managing to win a couple games. Now, maybe that's an indictment on how I've tanked thus far, but let's say I'm trying to not win, but I'm four and five or I'm three and six. If I'm three and six, I'm not getting the 101. No. I'm probably not getting the 102. A lot of my leagues, those are already spoken for. I look at the teams and I go, dude, that guy's 0 and 9, 400 less points than me. 
Like I'm not catching them. No matter who I trade away or no matter what I sell, doesn't matter. The worst I can finish, Shane, 104. In that case, okay, do I really need to push any further for that 104 when I'm already in the range where if a couple things don't go my way, I'm at the 105 by default? And now that team is not in a position to buy, but it also doesn't need to panic and say, well, I need to trade everything by the trade deadline. Because I'm already kind of committed to being in the middle, but it's not because I didn't pick a direction. It's because I've already made the moves in the direction that I'm heading. And it can go both ways. It can be a tanker or it can be a contender that you thought would be a better contender. You're in fourth place. You're in fifth place. Do you really want to go down and trade your first when there's a chance you miss the playoffs? Probably not. So I think it's really, really doing that assessment. But you have to look at some other factors that you wouldn't have to look at without a trade deadline. Got to look at schedules. You got to look at injuries. You got to look at bye weeks. Like those things are not going to come into play when I don't have to worry about it. But here that has to be part of your short-term player analysis. I was thinking about that on the drive home. Like I generally have no idea who I'm playing a week from now because 98% of our leagues don't have trade deadlines. So to me, it almost doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I got to keep winning or keep losing. Is basically my mindset. It, it almost doesn't matter who I play when I play them. But yeah, with a trade deadline, then I really need to start looking at the math and go, all right. So I even if I went out, I, I still can't catch this person. I've already played them once. I've already played them twice, and they've already got the tiebreaker. So like I'm, I'm just there's no way I'm catching them. But yeah, with a trade deadline, you have to look at that. You have to know that. You have to know. Obviously, like you said, injuries. One thing you said earlier that I really liked was trending. Which way are players trending right now? And can you? capitalize on that. There was some talk today about Alvin Kamara trending down, right? Because of his snap counts, Taysom Hill's getting a lot of usage. Look at the history of Alvin Kamara too, though. He's had these dips in season before and and then rebounded later in the year when inevitably the Saints realize, oh, this doesn't work. And I know it's a different coaching staff. At least Sean Payton's not there, but it's a lot of the same people. So just look at that too. If there is a history at least of like how do players perform late in the season, like, hey, now am I going to go get Derrick Henry because it's November? You know, no trade deadline. I can wait to see how he fares in his first two games in November. Now, if there's a trade deadline, which we're assuming, I I think I'm just going to go buy him, especially considering the cost for it. So for the teams that are considering, hey, I need to make some moves. I'm in the playoffs. I need to make a couple decisions. I'm trying to win, right? I'm in fifth place, but I'm not conceding to just stay where I am. I want to make some moves. I'm running a business. That's what I look at my dynasty team as. It's running a business. I walk into an insurance agency and I have to purchase the best insurance for my buck. I can't insure every risk possible. I can't envision every nightmare scenario and go, man, if that happens, I want to make sure I have enough coverage so that I don't have to worry about it. It's not how it works. You have to say, what can I buy that covers me for the most outcomes? And then there's going to be some things where I probably just have to try to avoid doing so that I don't have something that happens where it's not covered. Let's just talk a 12 team start 10 super flex perspective. So a pretty vanilla league, not super deep, not a lot of starters. Let's call it 25 man rosters. What are you most likely to go out and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sure that up just to make sure like, wh- what is it that you're probably saying? And I know it's t- team dependent, but I, what do you feel is like going to be the thing that could be the downfall that you may not be able to replace? What type of insurance are you buying from like a position perspective? So it should be running back, right? But that's also the most fragile position. So that also feels like if I dump assets into it, that's the one I could end up regretting the most. And that's also the one that I can actually still find on on the waiver wire somehow. 
You know what I mean? In week 11, week 12, it's happened before where we found running backs on the waiver wire week 11 and week 12. I'm still trying to, to, to make sure that my quarterbacks and my wide receivers are as strong as possible. Like I'm continuing to try to tear up. I am making some moves and I'm doing this right now. And I think it's fine. Great move for everyone to do. And Ray just noted all five of these wide receivers, or at least some of these wide receivers in his, um, his article today about Trinity tracking, but like going to get guys like Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Hollywood Brown, guys that we have reason to believe will trend up to try to fortify my roster. I'm still not going to overpay for a running back. I'm just not going to do it because it's the most fragile position. And it's the one that I could end up plowing a lot of assets into and getting absolutely no return on them. Yeah, and I think it is roster dependent. I would agree that if you really want to have your cake and eat it too, you make an actual dynasty trade at the deadline too, where you say, okay, what I'm buying is Deontay Johnson. Yeah, he's a 27-year-old receiver, but he's good enough that I'm pretty sure he's going to be a 28-year-old receiver and be productive. So I'm not buying a real short-term asset. I'm buying something that maybe he doesn't have a lot of off-season trade value. And I would guess that the prime window where people actually want him outside of his production is gone. That doesn't exist anymore. He needs to be producing for people to want him. But you're at least making a trade where even if you pay like a first for Deontay Johnson, it's probably a little bit over a market trade, but you're buying something that has a little lasting power. And I think I want to try to make as many trade deadline deals if that's the case. I don't want to look at it as I'm, I'm renting this for two weeks. Unless it's a bottom tier asset. It's I'm throwing a second for a running back. I'm throwing a third for a spot start quarterback. Like that's different versus I'm actually spending something or trading a young player. I don't want it to be just for rental purposes. I think one of the other factors that you have to consider this is depending on your roster construction, if you've already leaned into a strategy that has got you there. So for me, I probably have gotten there without a lot of running back firepower. I have some teams where I'm getting by by just carrying every quarterback in the book. And I've had two injuries and I'm half the force to start Taylor Heineke or Josh Dobbs or Mac Jones. And it probably means the rest of my team is pretty good if I'm still contending. But that's what got me there. I shouldn't look at that and say, that's also my flaw, unless it makes sense from a dynasty perspective. If you're seven and two and you have a team where you've kind of just gotten by with one running back and you have a bunch of bodies, fortify the strategy that's already got you there. Go look and say, can I really cut that fourth tight end? Can I I cut that seventh receiver that I picked up two weeks ago. If there's any sort of excess or waste on your roster, lean into the direction you've already gone. Pick up a couple backup quarterbacks. Pick up a couple backup running backs. Don't leave those to chance because what's going to happen, Shane, after the trade deadline, if you see that I need a running back, you don't need one, but on waivers, you're going to block me from getting the backup quarterback, right? Most assuredly. And you don't have a way to say, well, hey, if I don't get that guy on waivers because you have more fab than me, I'll, I'll trade you a third for him. Like that's gone. So think about those scenarios that could come up that in a non-trade deadline league, you could just go fix. And they're not trades necessarily. They're just, hey, like handcuff your quarterback in Dynasty if you can't get a third. Mm -hmm. Get some backup running backs. Like things like that that are not involving trades, but they need to be done now versus sometimes we pay attention to those things in week 16. You don't. You need to do it now. No, you know what? And that's super smart because like you just noted, there is no trade. And, and that's going to be the same for the other eight people vying for that those six playoff spots. There's no trade. There's no available trades for them. So if anything happens to them, they're picking players off the waiver wire too. So now it's like, you know what? Do I really need to hold on to Diami Brown any longer? Like I, I th that ship is out, right? Do I really need to hold on to Terrence Marshall Terrace? But it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who, whatever his name is. 
don't hold on them. Shane, it wouldn't be Mannequin Shield. It wouldn't be Trades in 5 unless we gave a quick 60 seconds on why. If you've gotten this far in the video, you should at least try to convince your league to get rid of your trade deadline. Even if it's not this year, offseason, it's got to go. So Shane, you got 45 seconds to talk to the people as to why they should get rid of the trade deadline. Convince the commissioner and the league mates why to get rid of it. Why will it make their league better? Go. Uh, so I have the simplest reason for me is always the same. It actually encourages parity in the league because it allows me as the loser, as the, 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 the worst team in the league to capitalize and improve on an asset that I have. It might be an asset that's just middling, but it's the best asset that's available compared to what else is available on the market. And it allows me to sell that at an overhyped, overinflated price, which allows me to get better over the long term. And you can say, oh, but that allows people to buy championships. Yeah, but there's a payoff. There's always there's always uh, opposite reaction to that, right? To do, get that, they have to give up assets. They generally have to overpay, which again, it just opens it up and allows my team to get better. Even if the other team wins the title, my team still got better. We can both get better in different ways. Secondly, it just continues activity. You want activity in dynasty leagues. That's what's fun about them. There's nothing worse than a league just going silent. And that's what's going to happen to the six teams, eight teams, whatever. We'll say four teams, four to five teams that have no shot. Why would they do anything? They can't make any trades. They can't improve their team until February. Why would they even pay attention? I'd be hard pressed to even set a lineup, to be quite honest with you, if it were me. With less constraints becomes more responsibility on the managers in the league. I'm in favor of almost anything in life. Let me do what I think is best for me, my family, my situation. Less constraints. The less rules in the league that tell me how I have to do something, as long as everybody understands their responsibility as an individual manager, there's no trade deadline. You need to act and react to the fact that there's no trade deadline. Don't abuse it. Always be looking to do what's best for your team. But Shane nailed it. It's better for all 12 teams in the league. As long as you're pushing towards what helps your team, it's just as beneficial to a team that is out of it than it is to a team that's trying to compete for the championship. So with less constraints, no trade deadline, more responsibility for everybody to uphold the values that they have and that they would enforce when they're making trades, when they're negotiating, uphold those because you have more responsibility. So it's a good topic. If you have a trade deadline, hopefully this helped you get to a point where you make decisions a little quicker, or at least do that analysis because it's going to sneak up on you and all of a sudden your league's going to go, yeah, yeah, that deadline is in two days and you go, whoa, I never made that trade that I wanted to. I really never did this analysis. So start doing it now. Be honest with yourself. Hopefully some of the takeaways here helped you make decisions when you get to that point. And with that, good luck in week 10, everybody. Mannequin Chill is out.